Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for joining Flawed and Free, the fastest growing inspirational podcast in Dallas, Texas. Thank you so much for listening to another episode in our Women's Empowerment Series. Today's platform discussion is titled Wisdom, Worth, and Waiting. I have a special guest named Crystal Hernandez, who is a marriage and family therapist. She works as an inner healing life coach, and she is also the podcast host of Ocean of Mercy. She expounds in this episode on the loss of her parents at an early age and her emotional wounds and healing in the foster care system. Let's get into it, y'all. Hey everybody, welcome to Flawed and Free Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today and for joining our new episode called Wisdom Worth and Waiting. So I have a wonderful guest today and my guest today, her name is Crystal Hernandez and Crystal is a inner life coach and she is a marriage and family therapist and she hosts the Ocean of Mercy podcast. Her podcast is one that is helping people and giving tips and giving them guidance and, and, and spiritual encouragement and support. So thank you so much, Crystal, for joining us. How are you doing today? Oh, it's a pleasure, Tina. It's an absolute pleasure. There's nothing I love more than elevating uh, the human heart and mind for the glory of God. Thank you so much for inviting oh. me to join you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we've had a few moments to chat before getting going. And I, you know, before when I got your interview, your guest information and bio, it totally blessed me. I mean, not only are you a beautiful woman of God, but I could see that you had um, endured some hardship and trial as a child, mm -hmm. but 
dedicated and committed yourself to the journey of following Christ as a believer and carry through all the way to the present day. And that's part of what Flawed and Free is about, is meeting people in the space that they're in, helping to free them from the perception of perfectionism and even the pains of their past Mm -hmm. and delivering them into a place of full, complete healness, wholeness, freedom, breakthroughs, and the promises of God. So it is a blessing to connect with other like-minded people so that others can know and understand that the life that we live is one that that is not hard to attain, Mm -hmm. that everyone, if if given themselves the opportunity and the decision to follow Christ, that it can be done. So thank you for coming and and giving us your expertise and knowledge on your journey and what has gotten you here. So this episode is part of our Women's Empowerment Series, and there are a number of topics that we're discussing with with the women of God about wisdom, worth, entrepreneurship, business and branding. So go make sure that you go check out if you haven't had a chance, go back to some of the prior episodes where you can listen on all of the digital media streaming platforms of your choice. You can find Flawed and Free on Apple iTunes. You can find me on Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can connect with me at my website at theflawedandfree.com. You can find all of the episodes there, the latest ones, and you can even go and link to SoundCloud and any of the other platforms that I currently host. And I hope you enjoy it. Go check it out. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share with all of your friends and family. So as we move forward to talk about what this episode is talking about today, we, as always, will have an organic, authentic conversation. And we're talking about the struggles, the successes of a woman's worth spiritually, and how we compare that to societal standards and norms. We'll also be talking about the highlights of spiritual and natural wisdom and the highs and lows of waiting on the manifestations of God's promises in our lives. So first question, Crystal, what is your definition of natural wisdom versus spiritual wisdom? Well, it's a really good question. And um, when I think of the natural man um, versus the spiritual man, um, that which um, comes from the natural person is going to be natural. And that which comes from the spiritual is going to be spiritual. And one of my favorite verses that speaks very clearly to that comes from... um, John uh, 3, verse 6, where Mm -hmm. our Lord himself says that that which is born of the flesh is flesh, 
and mm-hmm. that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So uh, natural wisdom is what we gain through our nat- through our natural um, life experiences, basically. And uh, that would include our, you know, how we gain knowledge naturally through study, uh, research, um, educational means, uh, just life learning, um, all of that, anything unrelated to spiritual life. I uh, would place in that category of natural wisdom. Whereas spiritual wisdom, on the other hand, is supernatural in its, um, by nature. So this is something that comes to us from the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, our Lord, he speaks of this in the book of James. Yes, Uh, he does. Now, I don't know how detailed you want me to get with that, but. Oh, no, you can go, you can go wherever you want to go with this. This is a, 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 you know, we're going to move along with the ebb and flow of the conversation. I can actually, you know, I definitely agree with you as far as, you know, and I think for, um, I would say maybe novice or, or, or newer Christians or new converts, uh, there's a lot of conceptual um, definitions and words that can be overwhelming and intimidating, especially when you get into learning how to read and dissect the word of God. Mm-hmm. And you have to know and understand in order to receive the full revelation knowledge that God it requires for you to get out of the parables and out of the scriptures in the Bible that first you must accept Christ into your heart. And in accepting Christ, you have also uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so in order to receive the wisdom mm-hmm. that God sometimes places in these parables and stories and, and situations that are in the Bible, you have to understand that there's a level of wisdom that you have from an innate sense that you're born with just naturally. And some of those wisdoms may come from experience or just may just come from um, just the ability or that God has given you um, as a person, just yes. in your natural day-to-day life. Yes. But spiritual wisdom is a is a different sort of wisdom that is given. There's a number of gifts that we all are born and given throughout the course of our lives. And so some people are giving gifts and God gives everyone specific gifts and some of the same. When there's some that he gives more to of a gift and some that he gives a little less. So yeah, you can expound anywhere you'd like, you know, on on what I'm speaking on. You can cut me off or chime in. It's all good. We, we, we're really laid back here and uh, we want to be as authentic as possible. What is your take on the natural versus spiritual wisdom and knowledge? Well, as you said, and we are on the same page with that. So yeah. uh, natural is that which comes through us naturally through our learning and our education and right. life education, be that um, formal education or informal education. However, um, but the whole spiritual realm, I think the key word there, the key word is supernatural. That means that yes. is above nature, our human nature, right? 
So we're not divine. Therefore, the wisdom of the spirit is divine in nature, and therefore it must come from God. This is not something we can give ourselves. And as you've already beautifully stated, Tina, um, it begins with becoming his child and being, um, uh, you know, through baptism, the, the beautiful gift of baptism, which makes us in a child of God and then opens up to us this whole supernatural Uh, lifestyle, if you will, as children of God. And so a verse that really speaks to this very clearly for me that I'd like to share with your listeners is, uh, it comes from Isaiah uh, Mm -hmm. chapter 11, verses one and two, where our Lord says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Verse two, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Now, this is so powerful, so straightforward. It's not hidden. Um, He tells us clearly the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And then he goes on to describe that spirit. So the spirit of God is the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, counsel, might, understanding. So it is a gift. Yeah. Right? So, yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, God is very, very generous with his gifts. And yes, he is. He and he gives us good gifts. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And wisdom, um, as, as um, you know, it's one of the, in my opinion, given the world in which we live today, it is one of the most urgent um, gifts uh, needed in dealing with a lot of the challenges that uh, people face in life today, looking for answers, real answers, life-changing answers, Yes, um, yes. You know, I call them I call them destiny decisions. Yes. Um, you know, and it's really important that we exercise our authority and our accessibility um as believers to the, you know, to the spiritual realm because because that is the is where we walk. We're a spirit man, but we're in a fleshly body. Mm-hmm. And so we walk by the spirit, we live by the spirit. Yes. And so so, you know, it's really important that we're in tune and we're aligned with the spirit of the Lord yeah. and everything that we do, because it is as it's it's a part of our purpose is connected to our purpose and every divine assignment that has God has placed upon our lives is based upon these destiny decisions and they're spirit led. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to um, be filled with the spirit and. And there's that's that that's another breakdown. But you have to a you know have accepted Christ in order to receive because it can truly be a matter of life or death mm-hmm. in, to to Christian to, to a Christian. And so because the wrong decision in the wrong time or even the right decision in the wrong time mm-hmm. is can be death can can delay can can deny or distract and there's so there's a lot of 
things and people and situations and circumstances that are attached to our purpose, that are, are, are dependent upon us utilizing our spiritual wisdom and our revelation knowledge by the Holy Spirit to be led into where he desires us to go. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. So it's, yeah. I think uh, the point you make there, uh, what I'm hearing, I think that's very um, uh, helpful and um, enlightening is that wisdom is a gift like so many of God's gifts. Yes. That's not just for us, but as you said, so many others. Mm-hmm. The total and, the, and there's 12 gift. gifts. There's 12, there's 12 gifts mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. There's 12. And, and one of the main gifts is uh, wisdom, word of wisdom, yes. word of knowledge, uh, faith, gifts of healings, healing gifts, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, uh, the gift of tongues, and Am I missing interpretation, discernment of spirits, gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues. And I think that would be, I think that's all, that's all 12 of the spiritual gifts. But go ahead. I think I was cutting you off. You might've lost you. So, you know, these gifts are for, um, now another word that we use is, is really um, the word charism and meaning Mm -hmm. that the gifts don't belong to us as much Mm -hmm. as we become an instrument through which the Holy Spirit is doing these things. So the gift of wisdom and counsel, they're directed outwards to others. Right. Elevate and help others. And so being an instrument through which God can embrace other people, grant, provide light um, healing, consolation, and comfort, right? Right. So right. our role, I see my role as being very small, but important because if I sit down at my desk and I have a letter to write, but I don't have a pen, then I've got a problem. So I like to see myself as Mother Teresa once described herself as a little pencil in the hand of a great and mighty God, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. You're just a I, little instrument. <laughs> I love your isms. I, I I love I love your analogies and and how you relate. Um, we before we started, I was asking a question. She has a podcast. And it's called Ocean of Mercy Podcast. And so tell us a little bit about um, Ocean of Mercy and where it got its name and anything else you want us listeners to know. Okay, well, uh, Ocean of Mercy actually came out of an experience I had earlier in life where uh, I'd suffered There's a whole backstory, but the short form is I'd suffered so much as a result of the loss of my parents and subsequently Mm. growing up in foster care, which proved to be quite a crucible for a very young person. And that was during my toddler years uh, throughout my adolescent years. So I emerged out of that very fractured and having no sense of my own dignity, goodness, potential, or worth. And Christ in mercy came to me one evening 
in a Bible study in a girl's home where I was at the time. And we were reading the book of Genesis. And during that encounter with God in sacred scripture, I heard him uh, tell me that he loved me. And I heard it. When I say I heard it, this was not audible. We were reading Mm -hmm. about Adam shortly after the fall. And Mm -hmm. God had come in the cool of that evening and had called out to Adam and asked him where he was. That, the picture of that became so vivid. It was um, a very profound experience. For the first time in my life, I realized that God was not this impersonal being standing outside of an order of creation that he was responsible for just observing it casually and without any concern for its, you know, what was happening with it. But in this scene in the garden, I saw that God was a father and Adam was his son. Eve was his daughter and they were in trouble. And he knew it and tenderly called out to them in profound love, ready to write this thing. He knew how devastating it was for them. In in that moment, I saw this merciful, loving God. And that was the first conversion for me that was very profound. And I realized God was father and that he wanted to be my father. He had created me to elevate to sonship through Christ, right? To, right, right, right. To be a child of his through his, his only begotten son. And so... That spring forward to my college years, I'd been walking with him this whole time, but I had been still struggling. I had many, many uh, wounds, broken heart, and um, no sense of, um, no idea of what love was. And God uh, tenderly and gently uh, was... um, transforming me at a pace. And this was really, this is important. He did it at a pace that I could stand, (laughs) you know, so it took many years. I was in college and it came to a point. I was in my freshman year. I was in my dorm and I said to God on my knees that evening, I said, God, all I need to know is that you'll love me. And if you will, you know, fix this. I feel like I'm on, I'm on the outside looking in and I can't fix this. I can't fix the way I feel about myself. I can't fix the way I see myself in life. And I certainly can't do anything about my level of distrust towards you. Even after all you've done, I just need, you you know, if you can do it. And so I sank to my knees in a puddle of tears, just weeping, 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 And, Tina, when I woke up, um, it was light uh, Mm. in my room when I had sank to my knees. But when I awake, when I opened my eyes, it only felt like a few minutes. It was after a class. It was early during the day. But when I'd opened my eyes, my room was dark and I was disoriented. And so I felt around for a light, turned it on and discovered it was midnight. And I had been there in the arms of God. He had held me all that time in his arms uh, like 
a baby. <laughs> and I got up, wow. got in my bed, went to sleep, and I had a profound experience because when I got up the next morning for class, jumped into my clothes, headed out the door uh, across campus. It was a beautiful day. Sun was out, bright, beautiful. Now, everything appeared new to me. It was mm. I was seeing the campus for the very first time. It was as if the squirrels moving through the trees, the, the hustle and the, 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 uh, the, um, the touch of the wind on my skin, the sight of the birds in the sky, it all appeared to be new. And by the time I got to the end of my day, I had gone through the day and everything was as if I was experiencing it for the first time. This was really quite a phenomenal grace I was given. When I got back to my room, and I began to pray to thank God for the day. He showed me something. And he'd said this to me. It's the same campus, the same people. Everything's the same. You are not. And I realized I was healed. And it was so profound that everything appeared brand new. <laughs> wow. So, um, Ocean of Mercy was about that free fall decision I made the night before where I said to God, whatever you want, so long as you love me, I'm yours. And that decision was like a free fall. We talked about that, you know. Yeah. And the best metaphor for that fall was I found my, it was as if I had fallen into an ocean of mercy when I let go. Hmm. What I fell into was an ocean of merciful love. And that is God's description of himself to me. And that has been my journey. And that is the uh, foundation and the, the beautiful, I guess, um, um, what's a good word to describe that? That's what my whole life now is shaped by, that message of mercy. God is an ocean of it. And so there is yeah. something we could do or not do that would ever bring us outside of that motion, he, of that mercy, because there's an ocean of it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, you know, that just goes back to, as I was listening to you, and and it, it sounds like such an intimate space, right? Such an intimate yeah. story. And it's more than a story because, you know, it's real. Yes. But you're just giving us a glimpse into what it was like for you. And a lot of new converts or people that are curious about, um, you know, the glory of God and the grace of God and God's mercy and love. Mm -hmm. It is hard to explain because until you've had your own personal intimate experience, mm -hmm. it is definitely supernatural. I have my mine as well. <laughs> and, you know, where I've literally gone into the spiritual realm and heard conversation and seen um, movement and things in the spiritual realm knew that's where I was, didn't know what, you know, what the situation was initially. Um, but there, I've had several encounters and or experiences. I've had lots of, 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 um, of receipts. If so, if you want to use that as a word, 
for what God has done and the mercy of God and the glory of God. And even when I haven't been deserving nor worthy of it, um, miracles, signs, wonders, all types of things Mm -hmm. that God has showed up and shown himself to me personally. Mm -hmm. And so I love to hear those stories. And I remember, you know, yearning for the how to commune and hear the voice of the Lord and what that meant and what it sounded like. Cause you hear everybody's interpretation and everybody else's story. And you're like, I want that for myself. Right. It's like, and then, and then, and then there's that element of doubt, you know, let's just be honest. You know, there's that element of doubt. Like, is that real until it happens to you? until God wakes you up out of your sleep and or until he appears to you in a dream or a vision or however God chooses to speak to you or gain your attention um and and as you grow and develop the trust and the faith that blind faith you know as he starts to reveal through that knowledge and wisdom and love and trust more of himself to you yes, and you and you start to have Right. You start to have more of these encounters and it is the most amazing thing that you can ever imagine if given the opportunity, you know, so I I tell people all the time because I know sometimes the those stories can be intimidating because it's like I haven't experienced that or I don't even know what the voice of God sounds like, but I was there once it was me. You know, um, I was in a place where I was broken and shattered and God literally filled every crack, gap and crevice with his blood and with his peace and with his love. And the areas that I remember or I can even recall where I was broken, even the unknown things, I look back now and like, I don't even have those things. Those, it's just like they just disappeared. He just, you know, over some of it took work, of course. It was not like you just snap your fingers, you know, and That's it right. disappears. That's it is right. a process. Yes. It is a, go ahead. Oh, no, absolutely. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 you know, yeah. It's a process. It's a process. But I love to hear other people's, you know, encounters. And and, and so, you know, I don't identify with a religion. Um, I am saved and born again. And I am a believer and a follower of Christ. So I don't um, deal with the rigidity of, you know, praying at this time or this day to the east, to the west, to the north, you know. Um, And so I think a lot of people think that when they do accept Christ, that it comes with, it does come with a law. We are a part of a kingdom Um, there, you know, but um, they think that they have to lose every sense of who they are, not knowing that God set them apart to be exactly who they are. Um, and so they they think they have to become something completely different. But you have to let God do the new thing. You talked about new sight, basically. And you went from being in a, in a spiritually dark place, mm-hmm. unknown to yourself, and when you completely submitted and surrendered yourself mm-hmm. to him, he was able to reveal himself to you and he gave you a new sight. 
And so that's the spiritual sight that we're spoken of and the the new wisdom, the new knowledge, the the new thing that God said that he's going to do and that he will do in every every one of our lives. So, you know, then that may even be a good segue into those feelings of not being worthy or not being worth the time that God has given each and every one of us to come and fall in alignment and follow him. So give an example of a time where you felt the most unloved and unworthy. Well, um, the most, um, that would really be back during my formative years of childhood Mm. and um, adolescence in particular. That was a time of tremendous angst um, with the loss of mother and father who are gifted to children to help in that process of becoming a great human being. But when you don't have that, or that's taken away abruptly, then we know that, you know, just from the psychological research, it's very, very destructive to good, healthy um, psychological development and social-emotional development and certainly relational development. Very, very harmful um, and... Uh, Growing up also at a time when uh, there was a lot of shame around brokenness um, and, um, you know, I grew up in a um, uh, blue-collar family, Mm. a working uh, middle blue-collar family, home, you know, um, one-income, two-parent family uh, with two sisters, uh, family being front and center, God, church, family being very important. Um, But I grew up in foster care, and the damage had been done by the time I'd gotten there, unfortunately. Mm. And... I was a very compliant child, and so um, my parents were not that sophisticated. They were simply uh, hardworking, my foster parents, good, hardworking uh, folks who gave to us the very best life they could. And so uh, my mother... I'm adopted now. I was adopted later in life. But one of the things my adopted mother did share with me, I hope this isn't taking us off the beaten path here. No, 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 no. That, you know, one of the reasons I had a lot of angst uh, and this added to it, I remember saying to my mother, um, I was close to graduating from college and I was with my, my mother, my adopted mother. And one of the things we used to eat out a lot and and I said to her, she would say to me, Crystal, why are you so, why are you so unhappy still? You have been given everything. Why are you still so unhappy? I just, you know, my mother loved me so dearly and just wanted me happy. 
and didn't understand the depths of my struggles, uh, the angst of a soul that um, had suffered too much loss, too young in life. And so one evening we were having dinner. She would drive up to, uh, to meet me on the weekends in college to spend time with me. And she said, I said to her, she says, okay, what is it? And I said, well, why did I have to have three mothers? That was the thing I'd asked her, asked her, you know, birth mother, foster mother, and now an adopted mother. And my mother looked at me and she says, this is bothering you? I said, "Mm mm-hmm, this is bothering me. Everything was flowing, Tina, through a lens of brokenness. It didn't matter what it was because everything was seen through that lens. And so I hadn't had my experience with our Lord that I mentioned earlier in our talk. And so my mother said, Crystal, I don't know, but I'll get an answer for you. And so uh, she comes up again. I guess it's a couple of months later, and we're out having um, dinner. And I had forgotten about it, but she hadn't. And she says, oh, by the way, I have an answer for you. (laughs) Tina, this is her answer. She says, God bless your birth mother. Her job was to bring you here. Okay, she said. And God bless your foster mother, because her job was to bring you through your early childhood years. And then my mother smiled broadly and she said to me, and I thank the Almighty for allowing me to put on the finishing touches. That's what she said. Oh, (laughs) my goodness. Isn't that beautiful? That That is an amazing response. Mm -hmm. My mother's the kind of woman. Yeah. Wow. So was she obviously she's a a a a beautiful is she a woman of God? She is. Mm-hmm. She is, she is. Yeah. So a the Holy Spirit gave her the best answer that you could possibly give. And you could tell by the words that were chosen in the response Mm -hmm. that it was intentional, purposeful, and it was definitely genuine. Oh, yes. It wasn't just something she just pulled out of a a book or Googled or, you know, I mean, you know, she really went, she probably went right to the Lord in prayer. Yes. And said, <laughs> you know, I need to, I need to make sure that whatever it is you desire for me to say, that it is just what she needs to know. That's right. And it was Tina, because it, wow. healed, me. it healed me. I never questioned it again. It was over. <laughs> wow yeah and I passed that on too yeah Uh, I love I love that I love that I love that you know we we need more as women um you know we I think we're in a place now where you know it's easy now to support our sisters and especially our sisters in Christ um because it's kind of become 
uh, the popular thing to do. You know, everybody says everybody, you know, um, but what's hard to find now in the society that we're in of social media and, and, and comparison and everybody putting their best face on is authenticity mm-hmm. and genuinity, sincerity. And mm-hmm. so you're having to filter through so many images and so many, you know, um, ideas and ideologies and all of these things to figure out what's real. And so even though she was not your birth biological mother, she loves you as, as if she is your birth biological. Just her response alone was very sincere and authentic. And I believe that a lot of what you just told me and that that um, that gap, that Swiss cheese gap that you felt in your heart and you knew that she loved you from the exterior of what she had done in action. Right. She had adopted you. She had Mm -hmm. taken you in as her own. And you knew that you could see that. And that's kind of how our walk is with our Lord and Savior, you know, our walk is like, I know he exists. So there's a lot of people out there that's like, I've seen miracles. I've seen God do things in my life. I do believe that he's there. So you could physically see that your your adopted mother was there. You could physically hear her and know that she cared. She cared enough to adopt you and that she loved you. But it wasn't until sometimes you heard that authenticity in her response to say, you are my daughter, you're my child, and God gave you to me as a blessing. And this is a part of my assignment that I gladly accept. Mm -hmm. And so Christ in the same way is wanting us to see him in the same way. And wanting us to say, I am, you are my daughter. I am your father. I have created you and I have known you before you even formed in your mother's womb. I have set you apart for a purpose. There is a plan for your life. There is, there's destiny attached to you. You are worthy of being loved. You are worthy of being healed. You are worthy of being whole. You are worthy of having everything that you can possibly imagine or desire in this life and all you have to do is believe and know that I'm here and that I love you and that I will do anything for you and so in those moments of feeling unworthy or those moments where we feel like nobody sees us nobody hears us nobody understands us and we're looking for our tribe. We're looking for our, you know, for these figures to accept and validate these feelings that we have in our heart that only really truly God can feel. And so as you open up your heart and as you open up your mind to the, to seeing things in a different way, then you can change your perception on how you see things in the natural and how you perceive things in the spirit and God can move. 
and he can impart and he can give you more than you can ever imagine if given the opportunity. So what a blessing for you to have not one, but two, but three mothers. (laughs) And so it might not have seemed like a blessing at the time, but looking back now Mm -hmm. with the new knowledge that you have and the new trust that you received that God gave you through your mother, you can now know and see the physical manifestation of what God is and who he is to you, that he saw fit to place a woman in your life that could love you as her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's amazing. I'm telling you, I, I, I love to hear. I actually love love. I, I, I tease all the time about it and say Valentine's is my favorite holiday. I'm not really big in the holidays, but uh, some I actually like. You know, I'm like, oh, I like just because it's celebrated that day. But I love love. Love is celebrated every day of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. I love Christmas and I love Valentine's Day. And so I'm just I'm I'm naturally a loving person. And as God continues to do his new thing in my life and as he continues to heal those areas of my life that I have you know, had concerns and issues from my past, you know, it, it has been such an honor and a blessing. And as he continues to reveal himself to me. And so I have my question to you is the manifestations, right? People, it's a popular word these days, manifest this, manifest that, think this, and, you know, um, the natural sense of people talk about the law of attraction. What do you perceive uh, the manifestations of God's worth in your life? Okay, let me, uh, that's a word, Tina. I know, isn't it? It it is. And I think, um, number one, for me, what is prominent in my own heart and in my mind regarding God. Number one is that um, we're talking about the, um, how do I want to say this? It's very important to me to remember who God is at all times. And I don't mean that in um, a way of fear, you know, in dread or terror, but to keep his majesty and his beauty and his glory before my eyes. So remembering Mm -hmm. that I've been given a privilege to walk with my creator, that does not give me at any time, um, the audacity to treat him other than what he is. In other words, it's not an opportunity for me to um, mistreat him. 
and disrespect his majesty. So when I think about prayer and trust and faith, love, all of these things, I don't think of it so much as getting anything from God. My own mindset is not, it's not of getting, but of um, aligning myself wholeheartedly with his will. Right. Now, what I mean by that, my focus each day is not on getting anything from God. I feel like I have gotten from him the single most important thing that I can get from him. I have gotten from God the single most important gift he wanted me to have. And that was his loving, that is and remains his loving friendship. Everything else of all the things, because you see, everything else is already mine. He created all of creation for me. I'm I'm, I'm not a, an angel. I'm a human being, flesh and blood, material, right? Right, right, right. And I live in a very material uh, a world of matter. Yet the God I love who created me is spirit. And he has yeah. said, those who worship him must worship him in spirit, in spirit and in truth. And in truth. So yes. God doesn't need any of it. Yeah. <laughs> he created it all for me. So falling in love with Christ, falling in love with the God who is a trinity of persons in his innermost mystery, the greatest mystery of all, is this, the divine nature is a holy trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so yet three persons in one God. It is a profound mystery. But what God has revealed of himself is that he's love. And how can you love if there's, unless there's relationship? And so in this divine trinity, there is this constant activity of loving. So God is complete and full in and of himself, needs nothing. He didn't create, you know, creation is not about him needing anything, but it's about him sharing everything. But the sharing begins with love because everything flowed from love. And in the fall, everything, love in the face of pain becomes mercy. And this is my understanding of God as merciful. In the face of my suffering, he becomes the mercy I need in order to heal. So when I say, for me, I have the single most important thing I could ever have in life. And that is the love of God. Each day is not about what I will get. It's about here I am, Lord, as uh, Isaiah said, I've come now to give you something. Uh And I want to give it to you every day. What is that? Me, wholeheartedly and on your terms. And what does God, what's his response to that, Tina? He gives me more of himself, more opportunity to love him and make him known. That 
is my whole life. That's all my joy. He's the wine I drink every morning and every evening. And even the wine um, from the grapes in the field, you know, the wine I purchase and enjoy with my husband, his gift. (laughs) The embrace I enjoy, my children, their love, sharing my love, his gift. He's in it all. It has all come to me already. So this, so this, now I, I, I went heavy on my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. You know, this, this, there's no, there's no structure to how, you know, we just, we just want um, God. We want people to know and hear us in our authentic way in our authentic space as he decides to move the conversation so no there's no right or wrong um portion of what you can say or not say i was listening to you and falling in love listening to you talk about love and (laughs) i i pulled up a couple of scriptures here about love that i know uh one coming from John 15:12 my command is this love each other as i have loved you and there's another one Ephesians 4:2 that says whoever lives in love lives in god and yes. god in them <laughs> yes you know and so you know all throughout scripture there's 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 a ton of verses about love and how we should some of the most common ones that even non-believers know you know love thy neighbor love is patient you know love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it's not proud it doesn't dishonor us you know that's first corinthians 13 4 through 5 um he he speaks uh, so much on love about being humble and being gentle and and you know the fruit of the spirit and how to bear in love with one another and to love yes. our enemies so you know it's it's a mandate it's a requirement it's a it's 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 a natural order of what god requires of us to do for one another so That's right. You know, the fact that I love love and you love love and you're in love with the fact that he loves you <laughs> and your only requirement to follow Christ and to accept his his way and his walk was for him to love you. That It does not surprise me that you were on your soapbox of love. So go ahead and you can express your love any way you see fit, ma'am. And, and let them know how much you love God and how much he loves you. And ultimately, that's what everybody's looking for. Everybody's yes. looking to be loved and to have someone to love. Yes. And not knowing that, you know, some of us maybe, you know, not knowing um, that God loves us in in our in our flaws. God yes. loves us when we're when we're doing the right thing, the wrong thing and everything yes. in between that he never stops loving and caring for us and that there's nothing that you can do. He loves us. So he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's no greater love. There's no greater love than that. There's no greater love. So, um, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And you know, I was I was headed there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're <laughs> fine. Because you're one fine. of the questions, 
one of your questions was about how do you overcome feelings of unworthiness? Yes. And in my own life, um, as a therapist teaching my uh, clients what love was and what it wasn't to help them get out of their own way. Hmm. Uh, even um, that's a barrier right there. (laughs) Getting out their own way. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Because sometimes it's our personal psychology that's the stumbling block. Mm -hmm. We've learned to think and to feel a certain way, and it it has become a comfort to us. But it's an obstacle because even in the face of truth, we don't yield, we don't move. And um, but God, again, as I said, who is profound mercy in the face of our suffering. Um, we need to understand what that mercy looks like so that we can understand the flip side of mercy, which is love. Hmm. To understand love is to understand mercy. And to understand mercy is to understand love. The heart of love is merciful. The heart of God is merciful. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what helped me, Tina, it's not going to be something that's easy for anyone to do. It wasn't easy for me to do, but it is doable and it is absolutely necessary and profoundly life-changing. I had to go to the foot of the cross. In other Mm -hmm. words, I had to consider seriously the cost of loving me. And the cost of loving me takes me then to the place where Christ died. I have to look at not only the holy incarnation of God, number one, that he would cross the abyss of divinity to become human. That is unspeakable love. Oh, you better say that. I like how you put that together. <laughs> she said he came across the abyss of humanity, came out from a spirit man into a fleshly man. You better. I'm, I'm here right. for it. Number all one, of it. God is not a man. God is not a creature. Yeah. He's the creator of creatures, but he became creature in the, in other words, and I, I, there's no time to get into the, the theology behind that. But the fact is the holy incarnation of almighty God, the creator and sustainer, the one who gives being to everything that is from the tiny ant that annoys me in my kitchen, (laughs) right? (laughs) To the beautiful birds that soar high up in the sky. And I yearn to soar like them into the arms of my God. This God, this creator, he robes himself in my weakness. Flesh is weak. And he becomes like me in everything except sin. So he takes on my weakness. That's the first sign of profound love for me. He doesn't even depend on his divinity. He lives a perfect human life. Life. In other words, he lives his life to perfection, moral perfection, beauty, goodness, to show me with the help of his grace. Because, see, unlike him, I've been shattered by sin and I have a proclivity towards it. Okay. But in uniting myself with him, and it began at the cross. I had to take the time to actually reflect on the incarnation of Christ becoming human. His life, living and dying, 
like the rest of us, facing death like the rest of us, heartbroken mother like those of us who lose loved ones, everything. He dives headlong into this mess, the messiness of the human experience. He could have healed and delivered and rescued us in a very clean and antiseptic manner with just a word, with just a thought. Nothing is beyond God, but he chooses to become one of us so he can look us. It doesn't get any more intimate than this so that he can look us in the eyes. Amen. And we see him looking wounded, broken, uh, ill folks, touching people who wanted to be healed, not just sending his word, embracing, hugging, dining with people. He's in the fullness of our humanity. And then he ends up on a cross. And that's where I go. And I reflect on those wounds. Profound wounds. Skin ripped off. Now, I don't want to get too graphic. But if we would take time and use our imagination in this very holy and sacred endeavor to see Christ on the cross, literally bodily destroyed by the anger, the hatred, the very worst in us. But he accepts it. And then he does the most profound thing. He turns and he says to his father, forgive them. They don't have a clue. They don't know what they're doing. In our brokenness, in our woundedness, in our wickedness, in our wretchedness, in our selfishness, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know the eternal ramifications of it. We don't even understand what it means when we offend our creator. We don't know what eternal death really is. So Christ comes and he takes this on for us. There's a lot more to it, but my healing came from sitting at the foot of the cross and imagining him there looking up, looking up at his wounds, looking at his pierced heart and looking into those eyes, blood streaming from those eyes because it's streaming from his head, the wounds. All of this shows me beyond any emotion I could ever have that God is love. God is love. And it ain't feeling. It's an action. He willed to deliver me. The first Adam failed, so God himself became the second Adam. And he freed the entire race. And the rest of life is about applying what has been gifted to us. New life as sons and daughters of God. And so What is it that gives me worth? Nothing other than the cross of Jesus Christ, saturated with his life-giving blood. That's my worth. It's not the house I could, there's not a house on this earth beautiful enough (laughs) to satisfy me. There's not a vehicle fast enough. There's not a man 
gorgeous enough and I'm married <laughs> and I love my spouse, oh. but he can't compete with my savior. And I love him, my children, my family, and my neighbors. I am committed. I owe a debt to Christ. And that debt is nothing more than a return of love. So that's everything. Make a return of love. He doesn't ask much, and yet he asks everything because love is not easy. I must deny myself. If I'm going to love you, then I need to serve you. I need to care about you. I need to do all I can to help you carry whatever the burden is. I need to be busy elevating my fellow man. This is what I said. This is love. That's right. That's right. And that's a part of what our purpose is attached to, you know, is not about our own agendas and our own desires. Um, It's all about reaching out, helping others and and doing kingdom work and building the kingdom so that we can um, be the light in in a world of darkness. And yes. show people God's love in us yes. um, as we walk and we speak and we work and, you know, we move into, you know, these natural realms of society and the norms keep changing and keep getting more demonic and, and, and more abnormal, you know, and so, yes. you know, we're yes. set in position in place to be that light, to, to bring others to the light so that they can see Christ and that we can also help um, with what's going on in the world and help people get to their next level of life so they can experience the same relationship that we have submitted our lives to as our own personal sacrifices um, at the very least for what God has done for us for his massive sacrifice and um, laying down his life. And so this journey is not an easy one. And sometimes it's, you know, it's full of long suffering and it's full of, um, but it's only a portion of what God has done for us. And it's only a portion of what he will do with us and what he will do for us and what he will do through us. And so as natural vessels in the earth, it is our duty and our obligation to constantly seek the wisdom of God and mm-hmm. for him and to allow him to cleanse us of our unrighteousness and allow him to impart in the righteousness of God so that we can be in our divine place and in our right in the right space in order to make those destiny decisions that I, we spoke of to help others. So, you know, that's, you know, a great part of what this is all about until as we wait on God, not only to manifest things for our um, personal success and personal prosperity, but Mm -hmm. for the success of others and for the upbuilding of the kingdom. And so in this time, we wait and we wait patiently 
We wait patiently on God to give us our direction. We wait patiently on God to give us our assignments. We wait patiently. And so um, a part of tonight's podcast as well is not only speaking about wisdom and worth, but waiting. And waiting sometimes can be a hard thing to do because when you naturally can't see what you're waiting on, or yes. you can't see the change. Some people think the moment that they accept God into their heart, that they're going to have this instantaneous, you know, sort of change. Like, and, and it does, there are some things that God does quickly. There's plenty of miracles in the Bible, even the woman with the issue of blood where she's, you know, her faith, you know, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment and all of the years that she spent in bondage in, 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 you know, experiencing this ailment and being ostracized from the community because of this, this illness that she was experiencing, God gave her what's what the scripture says, a straightway blessing. And so some of us in this microwave society that we're in are looking for everything to be instantaneous, instantaneous and be miraculous. And even though God is a miracle working God and he can do anything that he desires to do in an instant. Um, You have to um, take pleasure in those moments of preparation. You have to take pleasure and you have to be patient and persevere through those moments where he's trying to train you up and grow you up and mature you in your walk. And so um, a lot of people may be listening to you or myself and they're like, okay, this might be way more than I can chew. You know, this is, this is, <laughs> I'm not there yet, you know? Um, and so, you know, what kind of advice would you give to those that are waiting to see the move of God that are waiting, that have prayed, you know, years of prayer for God to show himself and mm-hmm. to, you know, that he's real and that he does love them and that they are worthy and that, you know, maybe the spouse they're waiting for, or maybe they're experiencing some sort of terminal diagnosis and, mm-hmm. you know, they don't know what's going to come of it and they're waiting on God to show himself. What would you tell that person? Well, you know what, that's, you know, it's only human for us to want that from God. And in my own experience, um, our heavenly father understands this about us. Mm-hmm. However, he wants so much more for us. And that more begins with understanding who's in charge. You know, Psalm 23, he describes himself in that beautiful passage as a divine shepherd. No shepherd worth its salt ever leaves its flock alone unattended. No shepherd worth its um, deserving of the name uh, would be clueless about its sheep the condition of its sheep, the needs of its sheep. And yet God has defined himself as a divine shepherd. Meaning, at some point in our life, we've got to make a decision, Tina, that either we trust him or we do not. Now, 
That may sound harsh, but it isn't, because we make these kinds of choices every day in other areas of our life. It's a very important decision, and it can be the turning point. And I have one simple thing that folks can do to begin to experience um, this intimate uh, relationship with God as our uh, shepherd. A very simple thing that can be done every single day is simply this, to get yourself a journal and you date that journal and the first thing you want to do is number it from, I don't know, let's start with five things, one to five at the end of the day. You want to list what are three gifts that the Divine Shepherd sent you today. I began doing this practice myself years ago. And it was, it was life-changing because I realized in the process that I had been given so many gifts. God had been sending gifts. But I either did A, paid no attention, or B, I um, took them for granted or um, disregarded their value. Now, let me give an example. The fact that I woke up this morning, that is a gift. The fact that I had something to eat this morning, another gift. What kind of day is it outside? I live in the sunshine state, and it, the sun is out almost all year round. Another gift. Do I have anything in my closet to wear? Gift. How am I feeling today? Am I healthy, reasonably? Gift. Do I have people I can call on? Gift. Do I have one friend? One, is there one person in this world who knows that I exist and care about that? Gift. Do I have a place to work? A way to make a living? Gift. Do I have money left over after the paycheck is deposited. Gift. And I could go on and on and on. Now, those are many of the gifts that we take for granted because they're such a part of our life. But these are gifts. And if you really want to test that, imagine your life without them. Then it becomes clear they're a gift. Are there loved ones who are still with you? gift. So we have a lot of gifts and the practice of gratitude will help us begin to see God's presence in our life through his gifts. We don't pay attention. That's the biggest problem. Secondly, taking things for granted. What are we taking for granted? What are we taking for granted? And if you can't answer that, then here is a challenge. Go back into that journal and write another list. This time, write the prayer, Lord, 
Show me what I take for granted today. Don't pray the prayer if you don't want the answer. He will answer. You get back at the end of the day and you open with a prayer before bed. Now, I'm assuming there are some uh, practices in place, times of prayer. Um, so at the end of the day, you pull the book, pull the book back out and you begin with that simple prayer. Okay, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see it as you, as you see it. And then you wait quietly for a minute or two. And you begin to write down what comes into your mind. And you will discover there are many things that are gifts that you either take for granted, totally disregard. And that will begin a, an important process of relating to God more for who he is over what he does because he's constantly doing things. And his doing isn't anything like our doing. His activity isn't like our activity. So to speak, what I'm trying to say is he wills it and it is, right? right. We will, and then we've got to do, we got to get in action. We are bodied, bodily creatures. But everything, the fact that we're here, we're only here because he wills us in existence. We have existence because he gives us that. God is being. He is being. And everything that has being or existence is given that from him. So I think it's very important when we think of God as our shepherd, who's really in control, who owns what. God is truly in control of our lives. We spend too much time worrying and fretting and not enough time learning to just trust. And trust comes from refusing how do we say it? It comes when we allow God to be God and when we accept that we are not. And that means if he does not answer, it's perfectly fine. Because what that says, unanswered prayer is a very important sign. It basically says, I'm praying about things that I think, things that I believe will be good for me. But only God truly knows what is truly good for me. And I need to accept and align my will, my heart, and my desires with that answer. If it does not come, why can't I look at a loving God and say, Ugh, and I've had to do this, Tina. Oh, God, I'm disappointed. But you know what? I'm thinking this is good for me, but I can't say 100% that it is. But you can. Therefore, I accept your decision, and I shall go on loving and adoring you. So my focus is not so much on waiting, but on walking in humility with God in love. My focus is always love, loving God, accepting what he gives or withholds. And his withholding is every bit as good as his giving. Amen. I, I completely agree. Um, I just wanted to, I just, the Holy Spirit just dropped this 
in my spirit to make mention of as well, depending on the version you're looking at. Uh, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, where God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, yes. neither, are, neither are your ways my ways. That's and right. so as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways yes. and my thoughts than your mm-hmm. thoughts. So, yes. you know, um, whatever you think might be good, whatever you think might be, um, you know, what you need or you desire, um, even the things that we even ask for, God gives us more than we ask. Scripture says, yes. you know, I'll give you more than you ask. So you think you're asking to get your bills paid, but God is looking to uh, create a business for you, for you to become a millionaire, not just to pay your bills month to month. And so sometimes our prayers, um, whether they are on hold or perceived to be on hold or delayed or unanswered, um, you've heard memes or people speak of, you know, um, God's rejection being God's protection. Um, and so no doesn't always mean never. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's not right now. Um, and right. so you have to be able to just to discern the time and season in which God desires to give or have you move, sit, um, stand, <laughs> whatever it is. Because yeah. again, um, as I stated in the scripture, I just quoted was um, he makes it very clear that his thoughts are not ours and his ways aren't our ways. And That's God right. is a redeemer of time and his time doesn't look like our time either. Uh, a day to us might be a year to him. <laughs> a year to him might be a day to us. And so um, we have to, again, trust and have faith that yes. um, he does know what's best for us and that he would not withhold any good thing from us. Scripture That's tells right. us that he will not withhold any good thing from us. So if it's being withheld or it's not being given or if it seems delayed, um, you know, there's other things that could be happening. There could be warfare, spiritual warfare. And that's another Mm -hmm. conversation for another podcast Um, um, or a number of things. Um, But you continue to pray and you continue to wait and you continue to persevere through prayer and faith and trust. And you wait on God to reveal whatever it is that, Um, He desires to be the next thing or um, whatever he desires you to do in the meantime, but just don't give up hope. Even Daniel, when he prayed and fasted and his prayer was answered on the first day of his fast and people, some people don't understand that that 21 day fast wasn't because Daniel chose to pray for those three weeks, but um, he was waiting on the prayer to manifest. He was waiting on the prayer that he was asking of God to be revealed. And it was released to him in the realm of the spirit. Day one, God came and sent an angel to speak to him um, that finally broke through after three weeks of warfare. The angel was dispatched day one and the answer was released day one. But it wasn't until three weeks later till the 21st day until the angel appeared and he spoke to uh, Daniel and told him, Hey, you know, the Lord had released your prayer, but I was held up. I was held up and I was warring on your behalf. God sent help 
through me and your prayers have been answered as they were from the first day and they have now been released unto you. So, you know, it's an, it's an encouraging, uh, word, um, for those moments where you feel tired, weary, and worn with the prayer and the waiting or the manifestation. And in the meantime, you just, ask God, what is it that you will have for me to do this day? And thank him for the daily provision. Like you stated, you know, thank him for the things that he has done, that he continues to do. Thank you for the daily manna that you provide for me every day. And I know that if it's your will, that it's your bill. I'm not going to worry about if I financially have the money for this or that, because God is our source and everything that we have, everything that we do, and everything that we will come into uh, will come from him as the resource. And so we must shift our focus on, as you have stated so clearly in this podcast today, was to keep our mind and our hearts focused on God. And we are to walk in spirit and truth. And we are to operate in love at all times, no matter how it looks. So I thank you so very much, Crystal, for coming and being a guest on Flawed and Free today. And for those of you that may want to go back and listen to other episodes with Flawed and Free, you can find me on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, and you can also find me on all of the digital media streaming platforms, Facebook, IG, and Twitter. So if you could just tell people that would like to link up with you and your business, where they can find you, Crystal, that would be wonderful. Oh, sure. Thank you, Tina, so much yeah. for the joy of um, being able to share um, loving God, what that means, what that looks like, how I strive to live that out in my own life. It's been a delightful conversation. Yeah. Uh, you have such a sweet spirit, Tina. Thank you. <laughs> sweet spirit. And um, I hope too. to meet you. <laughs> Golly. I am found, I'm in the midst, as Tina, as we were talking, I am in the midst of a rebrand, okay. but uh, for now, I can be found online at affirmedinlove.com. There's a website there. And on Facebook at uh, Merciful, what is that handle? Merciful Loving God is my Facebook handle. And yeah, uh, yeah that's it. So not for long, but at least for another month or so, and then everything will be changed. Thank you again. You're, Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. If you get hung up or you get lost trying to find her, you can always find me at my website at theflawedandfree.com. And I will get the information to her if you'd like to reach out to her for some additional conversation or whatever services that she may provide. But thank you so much. I have enjoyed this talk and 
come back and join us again next episode. And I believe we'll be closing out the Women's Empowerment Series here rather soon. But again, be blessed, y'all. And I just want to tag out with free to be me, flawed and free. Y'all take care. Bye-bye.